Fun show for you today. Lots to talk about in the National Football League. Alex Marvez, Sirius XM NFL radio host, joins me in about 20 minutes' time, including the Giants. Odell Beckham Jr. agreeing to a massive extension. Uh, Keith Bauer behind the board on the technical producer duties today. He's a Giants fan. Highest paid wide receiver in the National Football League can receive a maximum of $95 million over the course of the deal. The big part is, is the guaranteed money. In the NFL, they could say you can make a billion dollars, but if it's not guaranteed, they can cut you at any time. With Odell, uh, his agents, uh, they got that covered. $65 million in total guaranteed money. Odell getting paid. And with that weapon locked in, hopefully focused, paid, happy, with Eli, with Saquon Barkley in the backfield, that Giants team do not sleep on them when it comes to the NFC East. We have a couple NFC East rivals actually in the back there. Joe Nars, our producer, an Eagles fan. Boy, I'll have to hopefully keep you two apart when it comes to the Odell and the Eagles battle. That'll be a lot of fun this year. It's not a battle. What? Oh, are you saying that the Eagles are just going to stomp? The Giants there, uh, Joe Narsa? I think the Giants are getting a little bit too much love for a team that has been in shambles and in a disaster spin for the last two years. And You're making me a, a Giants apologist, Joe, and I hate you for it. Because this, everybody that I've <laughs> spoken to like around the stage is like, oh, I think the Giants can win the division. I think they can be a good team. I don't think they can win the division only because Eli has been regressing. I don't think they'll win the division, but they can get in... To a wild card. And but that's we know not that's all you have to do. Much considering the NFC East, like realistically, Dallas has what? Dak Prescott and, and Zeke. Zeke, and that's it. Their offensive line has been being torn apart for the last few years. Yeah. Their well, wide season, receiving yeah. core, their number one receiver is what? Cole Beasley? Yeah, You're as good as Cole Beasley. I'm taller than Cole Beasley. Exactly. And then you have the Just Washington then you have the Washington Redskins. Okay, that's great. Yeah. That team's bad. Alex Smith is going to get them to a solid like eight and eight. Honestly, I'd say seven and nine. Probably. Right? Like one of those two. Alex Smith will get you just good enough to not get a good draft pick. So I agree. Like the Giants could have a better season. They could definitely go like, you know, like nine and seven, even 10 and six or something, and they could have a, a good year. But like, I don't know. And it's not that I'm like, it's not being an Eagles fan in like what I think of the Giants. And I just like to point out that as Joe's saying, he's not an Eagles fan. He is wearing his Philadelphia that Eagles is, Super Bowl championship shirt. That we is, need, to, we need to make that clear. I'm that saying that that's not the reason why <laughs> I'm saying the Giants wouldn't like you know have a huge breakout season. Because Odell's it can Odell. Be, he's still really good. He's still going to be great. My thinking of this, though, for the Giants is, and I don't think they'll win the division either, but a wild card spot I think is, is legit if the NFC South regresses a little bit. Because you need, man... You could have uh, New Orleans, Carolina, Atlanta. Two of those guys could pop in as the wildcard teams. But for the Giants, you finally have a balanced attack. Finally. They haven't had a running game forever. You now cannot just say, okay, send the house on Eli Manning. Now you have to account for Saquon Barkley. You have to. Got to account for him. So we'll talk about that and other storylines from around the NFL with Alex Marvez at 11.20. At 11.40, the man who broke the Deron Carter to the Toronto Argonauts story. Dwayne Ford, CFL on TSN analyst. Be chatting with him about Carter, about the fact that, well, Mark Tressman says, hey, we got Carter here. He's going to have to prove himself as a teammate, as a man. He's not going to play to the end of September. So we'll swing around the CFL. Some Argos talk at 1140. And by the way, tonight on the station, tonight at 7 p.m., CFL Weekly, I got that for you. 
from 7 to 8 p.m. on the station. Swing around the entire Canadian Football League. Then at 12.20, Mike Camito, hockey historian, author of Hockey 365, has got a hockey trivia book out. We'll talk to him about that. Lots of Leaf content in there. And then 12.40, Gregor Chisholm, MLB.com, Blue Jays reporter. Kendris Morales' home run streak came to an end. This is what we're grasping at as Jays fans last night, getting shut out 7 to nothing by the lowly, lowly Baltimore Orioles. But Vladdy Guerrero Jr. keeps tearing it up. We'll talk Josh Donaldson working his way back. Is there enough time? We got till what? August 31st? We have till Friday for Josh Donaldson to prove he can walk on both legs and field a baseball to maybe trade him for something. But I don't even know. Is that like, is that even a big deal at this point? Like, what are you really going to get for Josh Donaldson? I'm going to ask Gregor that. What are you really going to get at this point? Let's say today, tomorrow, he's, he's bad, plays in a game. Doesn't get injured. So what? What are you going to get for him? Like, obviously, the trade value is severely depreciated from what it would have been. You're going to get another prospect or two that you'll never hear of for three or four years? Okay, I guess, it, I guess it's better than nothing. But I don't really think there's anything that that intriguing that you can get out of Josh Donaldson or Granderson or whoever else you want to deal for the Blue Jays at this time. But I guess that's all part of it, right? You're tearing it down. Next year's going to be the retool slash rebuild. Go for it in 2020. So if you can get more prospects, build it up. Whole point with the baseball prospects is you gather them and you hope one of them hits, right? You get 10 you hope one of them hits. That's really where you're at. And I just wonder what we're going to get for Josh Donaldson, if anything at all, if he gets back. So we'll talk to Gregor about that at 12.40 p.m. But folks, we got another Leafs poll, baby. We got a Leafs poll for you today. Red hot last week. We had, over, we had what, 4,000 votes on the one last week that was just, just polarizing. Producer Joe Nars said, Joe, my goodness, we're going... We're digging deep here. We're going captain talk, baby. August 28th, we're going captain talk. It's heating up already. So you can vote at TSN 1050 Radio, at AndyMC81. Question is, this season, who should be the Leafs' captain? Who would you make as the Leafs' captain? Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Morgan Riley. And there's some underswell. If you listen to the station, underswell for maybe it's Morgan Riley. Or no captain. Just assistants. Matthews, Tavares, Riley, no captain, just the assistants. And again, you can vote at TSN 1050 Radio, at AndyMC81. We already have another vote from at Scottman B, Carlton the Bear. Carlton the Bear is a captain. Okay. Joe Bowen, I chatted with him. Well, I guess it was, maybe it was back in July at some point. We Some captain talk was getting uh, swatted around and he said his answer to avoid all controversy is from the great Joe Bowen. He said, just get a Wendell Clark captain jersey, hang it up behind Mike Babcock. Done. No problem. No one's questioning it. Everyone's happy with that. That was Joe Bowen's That was Joe Bowen's answer. Just think of that. People get mad. No Matthews, no Tavares. What if we put up a Wendell jersey behind Babcock? Okay, okay. We, we, we like Wendell. Everyone likes Wendell. Joe, what do you think of that? Would you go, to avoid all controversy, would you just go Wendell, an empty Wendell Clark jersey behind Mike Babcock with the C? That would be the most intimidating player on the Leafs roster. 
He'd have the most grit. An empty, an empty Wendell Clark jersey would have the most grit. Absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. How did you vote in this poll? I voted Morgan Riley. Really? I did. I'm in the minority. I voted Morgan Riley. I wouldn't mind if it was just assistance and you just wanted to play things out, see how Tavares fits in and all that. I'd be fine with that as well. But out of the options listed, I took Riley simply because then you take away any superstar controversy. If you pick Matthews, it's, well, Tavares was a captain. What about Tavares? You pick Tavares, uh, he's too new. Matthews is the golden boy. What about him? You put it on Riley, I think it kind of shuts down that conversation. You have Riley, he's a steady guy, he's well-liked. There you go. I'd say Morgan Riley. What do you, what do you say? I think no captain and go three A's. Because that way, that solves the problem here because... You can allow the team next year to make a decision, quote unquote, yeah. and have the team decide who their captain is, quote unquote. So maybe it is Tavares in the future, and that is the captain of the Maple Leafs. He's a Toronto boy. He's been a captain for six or seven years. He's won a gold medal. He, he's an established superstar in the league. Knows how to be a leader. Or maybe or, it's Matthews. Exactly. And you give Matthews, Tavares, and this new core a chance to get together. And maybe Tavares is like, I'd rather not be the captain. It's this kid's team. Like... I will support him. And that way you don't get that type of animosity or fake animosity. Because, I mean, let's be honest. If Tavares becomes captain, you know what the first article is going to be written about is? Matthew Is Matthews upset? Right. But really, from all we've heard from our insiders and analysts here on TSN, is that, for the most part, players don't give a damn. Because the, the leaders in the locker room speak up anyway. On those Oilers teams, the great example, Mark Messier was the vocal emotional leader. Gretzky had the seat. They won championships, right? So it doesn't really matter. But at some level, I would hope that, say, Tavares was captain. Yeah. And there was a rumor that Austin Matthews was mad or frustrated. I would hope that story is true because that means you have a player that's willing and pushing himself to want that type of pressure, to want to be the captain of the Maple Leafs. Because it's if you talk to a lot of the captains we've had on... Yeah, they talk about how it's an honor, but they also explain how it can somewhat be a bit of a burden. Well, look what it did to Dion Phaneuf. Not everybody can handle being a captain. It I weighs on Carl some Gunnarsson. guys. I blame Carl Gunnarsson, <laughs> to be honest with you. That's but your answer for everything, Joe. Carl Gunnarsson is to blame on every problem. There's tomatoes on my sandwich. Gunnarsson. 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 Why did you vacuum today? Uh, Carl Gunnarsson got Gunnarsson. in the way. Damn. But yeah, I'd go the no-captain route. And kind of let the team decide. That way you take the fan conversation out of it. Yep. And it seems as if the players have made their decision. And it's the player's captain. And give it a whole year. Yeah. And go that route. Keith Bauer, how are you voting in our hot take captain Maple Leafs poll? When we spoke about this a couple months ago or a month ago, whenever it was, I said that I want Tavares to be captain this season under the impression that he's grooming Matthews to be captain maybe a season, two seasons from now. What I want to hmm. see is you get Tavares, Matthews, Dubas, Babcock, whoever else in a room, and just be like, listen, you're paid to be on this team. This is how it's going to be. Tavares gets the C for now. For, as someone who's already been a captain for most of his career, he can groom Matthews into that role. And just like Joe said with the uh, the three A's, then it's I think it's clear to the leaders on the team and everyone else on the team that this is how it's going to be. I think with a team like Toronto, with as much pressure and as much scrutiny as they're going to be under, you need to have that clear voice. So I and think, you, and if you so have just, Tavares being exactly. being the guy who is comfortable, like you have to, he has to be fully on board with that idea. 
Yeah, no, and that's the thing. Like, there'd be a lot of moving parts, and you'd need yeah. to make sure everyone's on the same page. But in a perfect world, that's what I'd like to see. Interesting. Okay, so Keith says Tavares for now, Matthews later. I'll go Morgan Riley because if you really want a captain, you take the superstar controversy out of it. You take Matthews and Tavares right out of the equation, give it to a third party, put an A on Tavares and Matthews. Boom. Joe votes for no captain. Go with three A's. You can vote at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. Got to vote for Carlton the Bear, as I said. From at Agent 00 Jack says, no love for Riley. Riley currently is in last place in the poll. It's Matthews at 45%, Tavares 27%, no captain 22%, Morgan Riley at 6%. And uh, let's see, we got, oh, almost, almost read that one. We had a curse word in it. We're going to, uh, we're going to avoid that. Have Mike H said, hey, actually, Keith, Mike H on Twitter agrees with you. He says, Tavares, then pass it on to Matthews. Same as Medano to Moreau in Dallas. That type of concession. I just wonder if, if that, again, matters to the actual players. Does that transition need to happen like that? Or is it fine just doing it with the A's? Or is it okay, Matthews is watching how Tavares handles the media, handles the captain duties, and moves on from there? I was speaking to a friend of mine, and I asked him this question yesterday. Do you know what his biggest worry was? What? Well, okay, if you go with three A's, what if they win the Stanley Cup? Who's going to hold it? <laughs> I just turn around and look at him, and I was like, after 53 years Amazing. of not winning a Stanley Cup, your biggest worry is if you don't have a captain and we win the Stanley Cup, who's going to hoist it? I love you, Lou fans. I love you. That's great. What a problem to have. Can I have that problem, please? Well, can, can I yeah, please you have could that problem? If you want. Jump that, on the bandwagon. That would be a great problem to have. The Leafs win the Cup, and they're fighting over the trophy. It's a black day for hockey. And here come the pretzels. <laughs> Just a total disaster. Wow. Yeah, you know what, Leafs Nation? I think we would all take that problem. Let's win the cup and then uh, uh, figure out who holds it later. But I'll take the championship, please. We'll get to some, of your, uh, some more tweets coming in a little bit later on. But you can vote on the poll at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. Next Leaf captain, who do you want it to be? Matthews, Tavares, Riley, or none? Go with just three assistants. We'll step aside, come back with some NFL talk. Alex Marvez, one of the best in the business, Sirius XM NFL radio host. Talk about the National Football League next here on Toronto Today. Welcome back to Toronto Today here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara with you till 1 o'clock. Still to come, some CFL talk. Dwayne Ford, the guy who broke the Deron Carter to the Argo story, he'll join me at 1140. We'll talk some Jays at 1240 with Gregor Chisholm from MLB.com, Blue Jays reporter. And you can also vote on our Maple Leafs captain Twitter poll. Who do you want as the next Leafs captain? At TSN 1050 Radio, at AndyMC81 on Twitter. Matthews, Tavares, Riley, or none. Just go with three A's. You can also tweet in your own, as you like. Some news uh, after Odell Beckham Jr. We'll talk about with Alex Marvez in just a moment. Sounds like, and this is coming from Charles Robinson, Yahoo Sports NFL reporter, looks like Khalil Mack of the Oakland Raiders, his holdout could spill into the regular season. Wow. What a disaster that would be to start the year for the Raiders. Guy who's not a disaster, one of my favorite NFL reporters and hosts, Alex Marvis from Sirius XM. Alex, how's it going, man? 
I am doing dandy better than Khalil Mack in the Raiders. Not as good as Odell Beckham yeah. Jr. in the Giants, but this is how it goes. The pendulum swings both ways. You're right in between, right? It's uh, a perfect. <laughs> That's still pretty good. Well, you know what? Let's start with Khalil Mack. You're like, Alex, what, what am I missing here? Like, John Gruden comes in, there's all fanfare, Derek Carr's back and healthy, everything's ready to roll. Then you have your best defensive player and really the linchpin of that defense, which still has some holes to it, holding out. Like, where does this go from here? Well, it, it goes with the fact that the Raiders hold all the leverage. I mean, in, in terms of, okay, Khalil Mack's got one year left on his rookie contract. And this isn't like giant crocodile tears because Khalil Mack is grossly underpaid. He's in the fifth year of his rookie contract, set to collect $13.9 million yeah. this season. So I think from a Raiders standpoint that when they initially saw what the price tag was going to be when the sides first made contact in February, John Gruden, who now it's his team, and Reggie McKenzie has the general manager title, but you may as well add the air quotes to him, right? Because, yep. you know, it's John Gruden who's got the juice. He may not value Khalil Mack in the same way. He may just think, you know what, I've got this guy for another year, and we're going to pay him $13.9 million, and he'll show up because he doesn't want to miss $900,000 dollars a week for each game that he doesn't show up and then after that if we want him again in 2019 we'll use a franchise tag or you'll see what's out there as far as a trade goes and you'll move him now why john gruden doesn't think khalil mack is worthy of the type of contract that khalil is looking for difficult to answer since john gruden has been spinning this in the media about what a great player he is how the raiders are you know essentially you know obviously a lesser defense without khalil mack out there but maybe they're waiting for aaron donald to set the market and then the raiders will you know come in earnest with a legitimate offer for Khalil Mack, but Charles Robinson of Yahoo, who's one of the great reporters in our business, says that there's a legit possibility Mack misses games. I think that, you know, you would like to think, you know, that maybe some of this stuff is coming from the Mack camp to try to scare the Raiders a little bit to see if they'll make any sort of offer to them to try to kick, you know, kickstart these negotiations, but the clock is ticking. We're not that far away at this point. 12 days, actually 13 days till the Raiders open their season. Or 13? Yeah, 13 days. So the Raiders open the season against the Rams. Khalil Mack needs to get in there, get in some football shape before he's out there. No kidding, because, yeah, Alex, that's a great point that people sometimes overlook. Okay, let's say he they, they figure it out after week one. Okay, well, then he's got to get back into football shape, so you probably won't be seeing the Khalil Mack at full gear till maybe week three, week four, and that's if, you know, he doesn't pull a hammy or tweak something, because how often do we see guys hold out first or second game in, boom, and then they're out for, for more time. That, right. Well, we're seeing it right now. You know, when you look at, at uh, Roquan, Roquan Smith, uh, he's dealing with a hamstring injury, you know, and that's one of the things, again, and listen, is it is it legitimate sports science? I don't know. Maybe we're just talking anecdotally about how players who have these, these holdouts suffer soft muscle tissue injuries, but I talked with Rams general manager Les Snead about this last year, and he said, look, with Aaron Donald, we wanted him to practice for a week before we put him out there. We just didn't feel comfortable, uh, you know, exposing him to possibly t- ripping something, straining something. Etc. that would sideline him even longer. Now, Le'Veon Bell, it's a different deal. The Steelers put him out there pretty quick. He came to camp, and they feel like he knew how to get himself ready with his training program to avoid those type of soft muscle tissue injuries. But those are the things. And, and listen, there's a lot of things. Getting used to the snap count again, right, in mm-hmm. terms of not jumping off sides. And by the way, it's a new defense. This isn't like, you know, it's just, I know it's a 4-3, and they try to make it really simple on the defensive ends, but nonetheless, he's still got to learn what the play verbiage is, et cetera. He has not been around this entire offseason, this entire preseason. So, yeah, and this Raiders team, I don't know how to read them. You know, my coworkers at SiriusXM, Mark Dominic, thinks they're going to win the division. I got Pat Kerwin saying that, hey, they're going to be one of the best teams in the NFL early in the season because they have so many veterans. They're going to get off to a fast start. 
to me, I see six and ten. I, I just don't see it. Yeah, and Alex, this division, like if you can make an argument for or against any team in the AFC West winning the division or finishing last. Like, that's how crazy this division is. Maybe the Chargers are a little bit of the exception in the middle there. But an argument can be made for each team, and you don't see that that often in football. Like the Broncos, Case Keenum, okay. Is he going to go back to being Case Keenum for the first, what, decade of his career, or are we going to see last year? (laughs) Chargers, Phil Rivers getting older. Kansas City, Pat Mahomes, exciting player. But we could see some regression there. So that, to me, that division is one of the most interesting in football. Yeah, it really is. This is the one that I think you have the hardest time picking a division yeah, winner. Yeah. And listen, we we all want to put our eggs in the Chargers basket. And on paper, I, I love the assistant coaches. I mean, you know, listen, and, I, and I've known Anthony Lynn since he was a player, so we go way back. And I think he's become a real good head coach. But you know, keeping the team together after an zero four start last year, and I, you know, the fact that Gus Bradley and Ken Wisenhunt come back and are signed the three year deals. I mean, keeping the same system in place and a, and a talent laden roster. This this is good. But the Chargers have been known to charger if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. You know, finding yeah. ways to lose, pulling victory from the jaws of defeat. That is, a, or defeat from the jaws of victory, right. I should say. That is what they've been, they've been adept at. And, you know, still don't have the kicking situation necessarily resolved either. We're going into week four. It's Roberto Aguayo. It's Caleb Sturgis still battling for this spot. And, you know, think about how many times last year the Chargers, and, and the margin of error in this league is so thin, put themselves in position where they needed a game-winning kick, and it just didn't happen. So, I, I mean, the Chargers on paper look like they're the team to beat there but again that's you know it sounds great but until the chargers actually do it well then i'm going to be a little bit skeptical in conversation with alex marvis serious xm nfl radio host on twitter at alex marvis let's swing away from that to odell beckham jr getting himself paid like alex this contract 95 mil uh, can receive a maximum of that 65 guaranteed and that's really where the big money is highest paid receiver now in the nfl but you could i, I said off the top you could throw a hundred million dollars at someone. If if two million is guaranteed, that's the real contract. Like, right. what does this contract do for Odell and the message it sends to the rest of the league? Because I, I would think this would have to make OBJ finally happy. Well, yeah, and you know, listen. In a lot of ways, he's done everything right for the Giants. He showed up for the off-season workout program. You know, he's kept the headlines down to a minimum. You know, the last time we've seen anything with him off the field came in March when you know one of his bodyguards allegedly kicked the crap out of somebody who's now suing him uh, because of that. You know, and on, and on the on the Odell Beckham Jr. scale, by the way, that's pretty low, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, really, when you think about some of the stuff off the field that that's gone on with him, his teammates love him. They realize that this is a special player. Very few receivers in the game have that ability to, to score anytime they touch the football. He is that guy. I mean, he is absolutely lethal. When you, when you run that skinny post, I mean, and if the, if the safety's not in position, forget it. You know, this guy's taken to the house. He, he's that good a player for them. So I get why they pay him. You know, the devil's in the details on this contract, but it seems like it's a straight deal, and the Giants are taking a leap of faith themselves that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to handle this well correctly off the field. You're not going to have any more instances where you have a photo with an Instagram model or whatever, and there's <laughs> apparently drugs in the background, oh, yeah. and people are munching on a pizza. I mean, I, I hate to even bring all these things up because my interactions with Odell have been fine, but, you know, you realize that the young man off the field has to live life right, and that's the big gamble that the Giants are taking. It's nothing to do with on the field. I mean, listen, you know, you'd love for him to stop throwing the temper tantrums and, you know, to grow up some. And I think having Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman now running the show, it's a huge deal, Andy. I mean, these are guys, that they're adults. They, they have his respect. It's obvious that Ben McAdoo never earned Odell Beckham Jr.'s respect. And for what I'm told, uh, basically players on the team just began turning Ben McAdoo
do out as the season unfolded. And by the end, he was left with nothing. And that's why he didn't finish the year and Steve Spagnuolo finished up. So I'm bullish on this Giants team. I think from 3-13 and to 9-7 and and making the playoffs, I think they're going to have that big an improvement this year. And, of course, Saquon Barkley will make a huge difference in the backfield. Yeah, and Alex, that's the difference between teams that, let's say, go 3-13 and and you expect a big turnaround. Giants have their franchise quarterback. He might be on the tail end, but they got the franchise quarterback. That was a down year. The biggest impact to me, it's great Odell Beckham Jr. is signed up. But to make that offense finally multidimensional, to not be like, hey, you know what? Send the house on Eli. The running backs are no issue. Now, as long as he can stay healthy, you got Saquon Barkley. And this dude is legit. He can catch out of the backfield. He can be on the field all three downs. He can also run the ball. Who would have thought the Giants could actually do that? Like, How important do you think of adding a true running game and making that offense multidimensional goes towards the Giants making a comeback and either making a run at a wild-card spot or even the division? Yeah, and I think I really think making a run at the division is realistic because you know we talk about Saquon and you know you saw it the first carry against the Cleveland Browns, yeah. right? He rips off a 39-yard run, and you know after that they took him off, and then he ended up tweaking his hamstring during practice, and unfortunately hasn't been out there. But now back full go uh, and should be good for Week One as the Giants open their season against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But you know Eli Manning hasn't had that uh, that running back that scares defenses since the heyday of Tiki Barber. Yeah. So you know right. So ten years now we're talking about a guy basically carrying this offense on his back, you know, as he gets older, it's just if you have a running back that you can lean on, a la what happened with John Elway and Terrell Davis, you're, you're putting yourself in position to really succeed. And you look at the investment they made in the offensive line. Let's not forget Nate Solder becoming the highest paid offensive lineman in football, $15.4 million a year to leave the Patriots to become New York's left tackle. You draft Will Hernandez, a plug-and-play starter in round two. I, I mean, they're just they're, and, and, I'm, and they're even getting a little bit of something from Eric Flowers now at right tackle. He's just more comfortable there. He's playing better. Evan Ingram was the best tight end as a rookie in football last year, the best rookie tight end. He's going to improve in year two now that he's actually back to being a tight end and playing in two tight end sets that Pat Shermer's put in. So I just, I really like this Giants team. I have some questions defensively. Where's the pass rush going to come from? Who's going to be the slot corner? Those types of things. But I feel bullish enough to say nine and seven playoffs are a very realistic goal for the G-men. Yeah, and we know they don't have to have a great record. They just got to get in, right? It, just baby. get in and then Eli... Goes Eli and goes and wins the Super Bowl. As long as it's against Tom Brady. That's that's how it's gotta be. You gotta Wouldn't have one amazing. more time. Wouldn't that be amazing? We got a preview coming up Thursday night. We got that big yes. Giants Patriots matchup where neither of them will be out. No. They'll be looking at each other waving from across the field. <laughs> we will not see any starters at all in that game. In conversation with Alex Marvez from Sirius XM. Alex, one more division I want to get uh, go through with you here. We talked about how interesting the AFC West is and how anybody could win it. Boy, I could I could almost make the same argument for the AFC South with a healthy Deshaun Watson back, JJ Watt, the Jags, of course, with that defense, Andrew Luck and the Colts are a wild card, and the Tennessee Titans were a playoff team a year ago. It really is. It's, I don't want to say it's wide open. I look at it as a two-team division race with Houston looking on the outside a little bit in the Colts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, just because there's so much of a, of a turnover going on on the defensive side of the football, you know, you saw there was a low-level trade, right? At least it didn't command huge headlines. But Antonio Morrison gets traded over the weekend from the Colts to the Packers. The guy was the Colts' leading tackler last year. Started 15 games. But they're changing this defense over, so they realized after this preseason he doesn't fit in with what they want. At 4-3 Tampa, Tampa 2 defense, you want fleet-of-foot linebackers. 
this is not that guy. He's a thumper. He's an inside backer in a 3-4, so now he heads to Green Bay. But to me, the fact that you're still making these types of trades shows you just how far the Colts have to go before revamping the defense, let alone Andrew Luck now playing without a, a proven running back behind him. Marlon Mack is going to be the guy early mm-hmm. on. Showed some promise as a rookie, but why didn't he get more carries? Did the coaching staff not trust him? Was he not a complete back? Robert Turbin is going to come back after a four-game suspension. You know, he was the lead back. Robert Turbin's been a pedestrian player during his sure. NFL career. He's been okay, but in the receivers, T.Y. Hilton, Ryan Grant, and, 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 you know what I mean? <laughs> the so, end. And, yeah, and of course the <laughs> offensive line. So, look, Andrew Luck's back. They'll be a better team, but I still think they're a five or six win team. Houston's the mystery team in this division because no one knows what this offense is going to look like with Deshaun Watson at the helm. It's going to be structured around his strengths. Can he stay healthy? You know, especially as a mobile quarterback, is he going to be exposing himself to hits? Is he going to be judicious when he decides to run the football? Is J.J. Watt still J.J. Watt? It's a fair question to ask. It's been two years basically lost sure. to injury. So what, is, what are they still getting in him? I know the odds makers have made him the favorite for NFL, uh, def, you know, comeback or defensive player of the year. Joey Bosa is where my money would be going, but nonetheless, we'll see with this Texans team. And then we got Tennessee and Jacksonville. And, you know, for the Jags, you know, last year they skated by without a lot of injuries. They were really fortunate. You lost Allen Robinson in week one, but by and large, they put the same guys out on the field week after week after week. How will they handle that type of adversity? How will they handle the fact that nobody's going to be sleeping on the Jags? That, you know, Jalen Ramsey's talking enough trash to generate, <laughs> you know, interest from everyone. And then we got the Titans with a new offensive and defense, new offensive and defensive systems. Mm-hmm. How, how long is it going to take for Marcus Mariota to feel comfortable with what he's running? Can these young wide receivers they have, Corey Davis, uh, you know Taylor, the other wide receiver, how long is it going to take for them uh, to get up to, to NFL speed, so to speak, and make an impact? And this defense, though, they are loaded. I actually think Tennessee wins the division. The Jags end up as a wild card. Hmm. I'm bullish on the direction of the Titans. Not that I'm negative on the Jags. I just think it's going to be a little bit bumpy, and we're going to have to see how they handle that adversity. Going to be fascinating. So many interesting interdivision storylines this year. It seems like the parody is at an all-time high. Alex, thank you so much, man. Never enough time. Let's do it again soon. Anytime you want, Andy. Be good, baby. Thanks. All right. Alex Marvez. Serious. XM NFL radio host. A must-follow on Twitter at Alex Marvez. And don't forget, next Tuesday, September 4th, it's the return of Leafs Lunch. That means, hey, Leafs training camp almost here. The season getting underway. We'll come back and talk a little more football CFL variety, Jerron Carter, son of Chris Carter, Pro Football Hall of Famer, coming to Toronto, the guy who broke the story, Dwayne Ford, CFL on TSN Analyst, joins me next on Toronto Today. But let's talk to the guy who broke the story that Jerron Carter was coming to the Argonauts. Turned out he did sign. He is in the building. And let's swing around the whole CFL. Dwayne Ford, CFL on TSN Analyst. Dwayne, how's it going? Not bad. How are you doing, Andy? I'm doing well, man. And listen, this, let's, let's go back a little bit here because this whole Jerron Carter scenario is baffling to me. You have him in Saskatchewan. <laughs> we know he's a diva. We know the attitude problem, blah, blah, blah. But from the outside, Dwayne, like it looked like he was doing everything asked of him by Chris Jones with the mm-hmm. Rough Riders. Hey, I'm your most dynamic weapon. Go play defensive back. Okay. He goes and does it and flips back and forth. Then he's caught. Uh, what did you make just out of that first news where it's like, okay, he's gone and there was no real explanation given for it? Yeah, I, I think most people's initial reaction without without waiting to hear anything about it was, what did Duran do? Right, right. <laughs> you know, and it was it was almost like this this assumption, but. Um, you know, it's, I don't know if maybe something will come out later, if it was more of a, you know, kind of a, an internal thing, I suppose, that uh, some suggestions that, you know, that 
Duran had been a bit of a distraction there when he was on offense, maybe wasn't that focused, that there was some frustration on the, the part of the offensive coaches in um, in trying to work with him and, and keep him focused and keep him on board. And, you know, I guess over time we'll, we'll find out whether that was the, the case or not. Um, you, you know, a little bit of my my gut feeling on it and and that's all it is it's not based on any information or any suggestion from anybody else is for me when i look at at kind of the the history of duran carter and and when he has sort of done well and towed the line and you know and sort of fit in well in in a team sense it's been when he's had he's had some pretty good strong veteran guys around him because i probably because of how he was raised and whom he was raised by, his father, Chris Carter, of course, a longtime professional football player, um, he seems to have a lot of respect mm-hmm. for for veteran guys, you know, and, and particularly the veteran guys in his position group and on the offensive side of the ball. And so, for example, you look at when things fell apart for him in, in Montreal a couple of years ago, well, everything was fine when, when Kevin Glenn was there, veteran quarterback and a guy with whom Duran seemed to very quickly become close and kind of, you know, had a bond with and, and the whole bit. And, you know, the two of those guys quite liked each other and, and had this great relationship. Kevin Glenn gets traded and things kind of go sideways for Duran Carter. You know, he's in Saskatchewan last year. Once again, Kevin Glenn is there. Bakari Grant is there. Chad Owens is there. You know, like he's got guys around him that are pretty easy guys for him to, to sort of look up to and, you know, and guys that, I think, in a sense, are going to sort of take Duran under their wing and and force him to toe the line to some extent. Well, all of a sudden this year, you look at, at training camp and, you know, Kevin Glenn is gone as a free agent. The end of camp comes and Bakari Grant is released. Chad Owens is released. Rob Bag is released. Like, you know, three veteran receivers from from that group gone. And, you know, and maybe Duran's not quite as focused without kind of having those guys that are, are maybe keeping him focused. And so, I, you know, I look at the Toronto situation where, you know, I think Mark Tressman is the kind of coach that in a different way than Chris Jones, I think will have a decent relationship with Duran. Mark Tressman has a knack for sort of getting to know his, his players, his people and taking the time to, you know, to sort of understand them. And I think that's something Duran needs, but in terms of veteran guys, I mean, the one that stands out is SJ green, a veteran guy that the two of them were together in Montreal and, and someone that again, Duran Carter looks up to and, and respects. And so, you know, I think that there's, there's a certain expectation there that uh, SJ green will, take on that responsibility and welcome that responsibility. But, you know, in the the big picture, I think it's in that way, it becomes a fit for Deron Carter. In conversation with Dwayne Ford, CFL on TSN analyst on Twitter at Dwayne Ford TSN. So Dwayne, it looks like for Deron Carter, the support base is there. You said SJ Green, you have Pop bringing him in, right? There was the guy who brought him into Montreal. So you have that support system. Mm-hmm. So, Argos fans, you hear this news, all right, hey, we got this exciting receiver, then Montreal beats you, like, phew, well, help's on the way, uh, not so fast. If <laughs> Dwayne, if I'm an Argo fan, I want to look at my shiny new toy. I want to see it out on the field. Mark Tressman says, you're going to have to wait till the end of September. Why? Why? <laughs> yeah, I, I think getting him up to speed with the system, it's always a challenge, Um for for players to play without in a system without benefit of of going through training camp it right. really is there are there are obviously in the Canadian Football League nine team league kind of 
word travels fast in terms of, you know, sort of schemes that work and don't work and, and those kinds of things. So there's no question that there's a degree of similarity from one team to the next in terms of, of offensive system. But in terms of some of the intricacies and really understanding the, the whys and hows, um, it's hard to sort of grasp those things when you're, when you're cramming, you know, you sign and you're sort of going to play in, in three days, it's hard to be ready. It's hard to really, to really understand the system. And Mark Tressman is a detail guy and needs his players to understand the details. As I said, to understand the sort of the hows and whys of the way they do things offensively. And so if you're going to invest in Deron Carter, you're going to, I think you're going to put him in the best possible position to succeed, which means not necessarily throwing him on the field right away without all the tools that he needs. Well, and the other part of it, too, there, Dwayne, is when you hear Mark Tressman speak, it seemed that was part of it, but also he wants to see Carter for an extended period of time, how he interacts, is he mature? Because every other team passed on this guy. You don't think the Montreal Alouettes could use a weapon like Carter? They said no thanks. So it seems like, too, it's, all right, get ready for the play, but also... How are you in the locker room? How do you fit in? And that's going to be a big part of it. But, man, for the Argos, uh, losing to Montreal, they don't got a whole lot of time for that playoff push. No, that's, that's, there certainly is a, a sense of urgency, um, you know, in terms of how close things are in the East. But at, at the same time, I think you, you look around a little bit and not to pick on the, the East division, but, the, you know, I mean, the, the reality is that a 500 record or, you know, even within a game or two of 500 historically in recent history in that division puts you in a pretty good position. And the Argos demonstrated last year, you know, it's, it's not so much how you start, it's how you finish. And so, you know, I, I think they've probably got a pretty firm eye on, you know, the final third and, uh, and sort of trying to make sure they're the best team in the East over that stretch and, and hoping slash anticipating that, that that will be enough to, to put them in a good place for the playoffs. And when you look at the rest of that East Division here, Dwayne, and the Argos, they finished with Montreal, who upset them, but now you move on to Hamilton for a back-to-back. And for Jeremiah Masoli, won his first comeback game. A couple picks, but the one touchdown he got is when it counted, and that was the one thing lacking in his game. You look at Hamilton there, you look at Ottawa coming off of the bye week, they're coming on strong. What do you make of those two teams as far as where the Argos have to get to? Because really, you got to get to that second spot to because there'll likely be a crossover from the West. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's uh, you know, if if not a likelihood, certainly a very real possibility yeah. every year uh, in today's CFL. But yeah, when you look at the two teams that are in the the top couple of spots right now, Ottawa and Hamilton. You know, to me, I think if honestly, if you looked on paper, as much as the Toronto Argonauts were the defending champions, um, the Argos had had a lot of changes, a lot of turnover, and and so on. That they weren't the same team starting this season as the one that finished last year. And so, I think for a lot of people, if you you looked on paper, there was a bit of a feeling that yeah, you know, Ottawa and Hamilton should probably be the top two teams at least coming out of the gate in the East Division. Um, Ottawa at times has experienced their ups and downs. Obviously, you talk about Jeremiah Masoli and that sort of learning how to win when you have the opportunities late in games. Um, you know, Jeremiah obviously being the guy that most eyes are on as the quarterback, but a, a team consideration there as well. But I think Ottawa with Trevor Harris has gone through much of the same thing. You've mm-hmm. got these quarterbacks who have put up terrific individual numbers, but 
it's not necessarily reflected in terms of their their win loss record, and so kind of you know finding their way, trying to find that that consistency, find that that killer instinct, that late game poise, whatever you want to classify it as. Um, you know, I, I think the umbrella statement would be learning how to win for for both of those two teams and and demonstrating that they can do it consistently. And as they look to turn the corner with that, both teams have had some big victories in in that regard over the course of the summer. That uh, you know, if they kind of demonstrate that that's more habit than you know than an occasional thing or a fluke or whatever you want to call it, then uh, then those teams are going to be hard to climb past. Obviously, down the stretch. Well, Dwayne, it's going to be a lot of fun. Labor Day matchups, and as we know, then the real push to the Grey Cup starts. Thank you so much, man. Hey, my pleasure. All right, Dwayne Ford, CFL on TSN Analyst on Twitter, at Dwayne Ford TSN. And folks, don't forget, next Tuesday, September 4th, it's the return of Overdrive with Hayes, Noodles, and the O-Dogs. The boys are back starting Tuesday, September 4th. Fourth, so make sure you keep tuning in, of course, to TSN 1050. And we'll have the Argos game on Monday, Labor Day. So they head into Hamilton. That's a 6.30 kickoff. And for the Argos, man, geez, it, it, that 3-6, and six, Hamilton 4-5, and five, Ottawa 6-3. and three. To me, you're out of reach for the division, barring catastrophe by the Red Blacks. You're out of reach. Now you got to get to second. These are, at least you got to split. If you lose both to Hamilton, you're done. It's over. You're going to be battling for the basement with the the lowly Montreal Alouettes. So I'll talk a lot more CFL tonight on CFL Weekly, delivered by Domino's Pizza tonight at 7 p.m. here on TSN 1050. But it's going to be it's going to be really entertaining, I think, between the Argos and the Ticats with McLeod Bethel Thompson squaring off against uh, Jeremiah Masoli. Still to come on the program, Gregor Chisholm, MLB.com Blue Jays reporter. He'll join me at 12:40. Jays got shut out yesterday, seven nothing. Kendris Morales is. Home run streak came to an end. Well, we got a couple minutes. Let's get a poll update here. Uh, you guys are bringing it on Twitter as usual at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. Leaf Talk, who would you make the captain of the Maple Leafs? This season, you had the call. Who would you make captain? Would it be Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Morgan Riley, or no captain, three A's? Just do three assistants. Don't even worry about it. Matthews leading the way at 48%. Tavares second at 26, no captain at 20, and Riley at 6%. I'm a bit surprised Matthews is that dominant of a choice. Like When we talked about this a little earlier in the summer, it was, it was getting close. Like It was a pretty close discussion as to who really should be the guy, who should, who should have that. Uh, at KBrown3194, on Twitter says, if you watch Riley on the ice and on the bench, looks like a natural leader in my opinion. And I like that take from Chris. That was my vote uh, for Morgan Riley because then you eliminate the distraction of which superstar has it. Because if Matthews has it, people will say, well, Tavares should have. Tavares has it. Well, Matthews is the future. He needs it. If you take it away and you give it to a Morgan Riley who has K Brown 3194 on Twitter pointed out, has it seems to have that respect from the players in the locker room on the ice? He's your best defenseman. That might be the option. That might be a way to to save face and not hurt any feelings if it is a big deal, really, to uh, Matthews and Tavares, which we don't know, right? Like they're never going to tell us anything. Only the guys in the locker room will know truly how big of a deal it is. 
One more tweet here, at T-O underscore Nash. I like this one. Jake the Snake deserves a, a more than Riley. Maybe he meant it deserves the captaincy. So we'll vote for Jake Gardner. I did not see that coming. Did not think a Jake Gardner for captain vote would be coming in. But at T-O underscore Nash says, give it to Gardner. I would think he would be in the minority there. But we'll step aside. We'll come back. More Leafs talk, some Blue Jays talk, some NFL, a lot more on Toronto Today here on TSN 1050.